Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. I'm wicked excited. I know I say that all the time, but it's always genuinely true, especially when I have an awesome guest on. As you guys know, like most of my shows are solo shows. So if somebody is on here, there's a reason. So I either totally love them, dig the work that they're doing in the world, find them fascinating. I'm wicked curious about what they're doing uh, or whatever. But usually they're on here because uh, I already love them in some way. Even if I don't know them wicked good, there's something about their heart that calls to my heart or their spiritual team that calls to my spiritual team. So this is how we find ourselves here today with Courtney Daniel. So look, I, I always just like to read the official bio so I don't leave out anything important. So, so that also we can kind of uh, place you in time with Courtney and have a better understanding of, of who she is. So first of all, she's a creative strategist. So as soon as I've heard so many different things about her, and that's what got, got me really curious about, about her, but here we are. Creative strategist who lives by her own rules and makes things happen. Okay, I'm on board with that. As a nationally recognized award-winning business owner, her dedication and ability to build relationships has afforded her the opportunity to work with top named celebrities in the industry. That's super fun. Courtney's love for this, this one just like, I was like so jazzed about this. Courtney's love for design won her national recognition for the United States Postal Service when she designed a postage stamp. Okay, have never in my life met somebody who's designed a postage stamp, so I'm wicked excited to learn a little more about that. Uh, she's been a guest on multiple podcasts podcasts, including So Money with Farnoosh Tarobi and Entrepreneur on Fire, which I know is a wicked popular podcast. So that's awesome. And her work has also been featured on Huffington Post, as well as other publications. Courtney, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything else that you would like to add to that bio? I think sometimes, you know, bios are great. They help people get a sense of you. But I think they also kind of sometimes put us in little boxes. And I'm like, we're so much more than, than the, because our bios often also, also focus on like our accomplishments or how we make our money, like who we are. But what else do we maybe need to know about you that we don't know about you yet? Oh, oh where should we start? Um, I think the bio did sum it up. And I'm happy to be here to share with you a little bit more about me and who I am. And um, I'm excited to dive deeper into that. So we'll hear about Yeah. So, I, okay. So, so for like a little thing. So you're a mom, you're yeah. a wife, and yeah. you live in the seacoast area of New Hampshire, correct? Yes. Yes. But you did not start here. So we find no. ourselves here. So tell us a little bit about, and one of the things we're definitely going to dive into, which yeah. your, um, which your um, bio did not say, is about the no to patterns. Um, this, so that's the thing like I'm wicked excited about. And 
And so that's kind of the journey of where we came from to where we are now. So you didn't start in New Hampshire. So let's talk about like maybe a little bit about your childhood and how you found yourself becoming and doing all these amazing things that I just read. Yeah, so I can always remember myself as a um, a girl who was just shy, who didn't want any attention, who didn't want to be on the forefront, just wanted to stay behind the scenes and and observe. I always call myself like a, a people watcher, an observer, just so you can see the actions of people and the things that they say. And, you know, you can kind of be a little judgmental <laughs> without, you know, being vocal. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, uh, would I want to be around that vibe? You know, okay, so no, maybe not. I wouldn't want to be around that person. So I've always been that person who's kept to myself and and uh, if I was in a crowd I just it, it was just like a solo and, and that's what I really remember as being a little girl with you know if I'm on the playground I would play by myself but you know fast forward to me becoming that adult and teenager I've always felt or always been uh, that independent woman who wanted to have things and to work hard for it and to always give 100% of what I was putting forward and uh, I can remember the first major accomplishment that I had was when I purchased my home. I was, I think I was 20 and it was like, um, it was a Christmas gift. I was like, I am going to do it. Like, this is going to be for me. And from there, it seems like I just kind of continued to set goals and do things that I knew that I could do. And, you know, not that anybody taught me this. Um, it was just things that I was just inspired by, I, things that I wanted. And I know that I knew that I had to put in the hard work to get them. So fast forward to how I got to New Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm originally from Georgia and um, you have a you little know, bit of that Southern accent still, the flavor, that tone is still there. Yeah. <laughs> um, just getting to New Hampshire, I visited once and it, it was in August. It was so pretty, you know, I got to walk on the beach, enjoy the sunshine. Mm -hmm. And although, although I've lived in other cities before outside of Georgia, when I came here, I was like, oh, this is just so peaceful. And I just felt like, oh, it was just so welcoming. And the first place that I went was to the ocean. And, you know, if anybody knows me, they know that I do not do water at yeah. all. <laughs> like, water is like, uh, no, no, thank you. I'll sit in the car. That's, you know, that's how... Uh, how, how I am because I don't know how to swim. So I was like, okay, you know, if, if you don't know how to swim, why put yourself in those situations where you're around water? It doesn't make sense. Okay. So, but that was the first place I planted my feet with my shoes and I mean, with my feet in the sand and the water running through my toes. And from there, I was just in love with New Hampshire. And of course, you know, when, when I went back home, um, you know, it was introduced. My husband was like, you know, do this visit. Let's see how you like it. So I'm in love. I go back to Georgia and I was like, let's do this. Let's make this move. <laughs> and how we, um, just a little bit more about how we kind of got here is that uh, back home we work with uh, celebrities and high profile clients as personal assistants. And one of his clients at the time would come to Atlanta and do events there for nonprofit uh, fundraising. And uh, he met 
her at an event that she was doing in Atlanta and uh, she liked his work ethic and the way that he operated and flowed and made sure that events was just smooth sailing. Mm -hmm. And so they built this relationship and she's like, Hey, why don't you start coming to Atlanta? I mean, excuse me, coming to New Hampshire to do my events here, my nonprofit uh, fundraisers here. And from there they built this relationship and she's like, Hey, won't you move to New Hampshire? And he's like, okay, well, let me just talk it over with my wife to see if we can, you know, if it's something that she may be interested in. Mind you, beforehand, New Hampshire has never been on my radar. New Hampshire has never been like anything that I would even say like, oh yeah, let me, let's consider moving to New Hampshire. It was like, <laughs> no. And, and when he mentioned it, like New Hampshire, I was like, New Hampshire, where is that? Right, <laughs> like, right. And then when you pull it out and look on the map, it's like, okay, where is it? It's like, you have to get a magnifying glass. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I did the research and I was like, okay, maybe it's a great place to live. So we moved in uh, November of 2012. I don't know where we were thinking about. And, you know, I'm, a, I'm from the South. I don't know anything about how the weather goes, how oh it snow or anything like that. So we move in November. Here it is. The, um, I'm looking out of the window. I'm, I'm like, what is that on the ground? Like, where is my car and who's going to get it out? Because I have to go to the store. You know, it's like one of those, it was like, welcome to New Hampshire, like right away, like we're throwing right into the wolves. And oh, so man. that kind of like just that feeling of every day, not being able to get out right away, not being able to open my door without having to put on 12 layers and get in the car. And, you know, it was just trying to get acclimated to this new way of living, which I wasn't introduced to. I was introduced to the beach. I was introduced to the sun, to the sand, to the ocean. I was introduced to that. And then here it is a, another like sprinkle on top of it. Like, hey, wait a minute. You forgot about this cold weather. And so, you know, just that, that part there has really, I, I think has really brought out the best of who I am and um, has put me on the path to where I am leading now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really big change going from the South to the North, but so many different reasons, but then yeah. the change of seasons and it's, it can be so abrupt, you know, like it's like, it is hard. I mean, I, I was raised, raised in New England and Massachusetts. I've lived in New Hampshire for a long time now, but I also lived in Los Angeles. I lived in California for eight years and everybody kept saying to me, aren't you going to miss the change of seasons? I was like, no summer year round like summer year round is like what i prefer so like coming back and in fact i want to move someplace warm again because i'm over it like i'm done with the cold mm -hmm. and i think being raised here um like you just said like coming up and of course you already had i mean based on the childhood story you told us you were already hard working you were already like pretty aware like i think of that i think most creative people we are a little bit, call it the lone wolfish or the introvert, or we're quiet and we're, you know, um, assessing things and looking at things. And, and Henry James, the writer says it in a beautiful way. He says, try to be the kind of person upon whom nothing is lost. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of it. Like we're just kind of looking around, observing people watching, like all, all those things. And I think though that growing up here, as a New Englander, as especially as a Massachusetts kid, um, there is a kind of toughness that you develop, right? It's like this change of seasons. It's like, oh, 
tough shit if you don't feel like shoveling. There's like eight inches out there. Get to it. You know what I mean? And especially if you're a kid who didn't have a lot of money. Like we, there was no plow guys when I was a kid. It was like you get out in the driveway and you did it yourself. So it's a really kind of like fascinating thing doing it in reverse, like coming from where it's warm. And then especially kind of like, not saying you got duped, but it's like August, <laughs> August in New Hampshire on the seacoast is like, come on. It's amazing. Yeah. And then it's like, shit, what is, like you said, where's my cow? Like, and everything right. just takes longer because now we got to put the layers on and we got to do all the stuff, right? So it's like, it's so hysterical to me. And so what I, what I thought was really interesting is when you first came up for that visit in August, was it because your sweetie, your husband had been um, off at a gig and he wanted you to go check it out? Like, how did you get here that first visit? Like, was that why you were here was to kind of like check out New Hampshire before you guys moved? Yeah. Yes, it was. That was the reason I was here. It's just to, hey, let's go check out the scenery to see if you like it, to see if it's something, you know, you would even possibly consider. And, and you know, just considering moving the kids here, although they were much younger and they would be like in preschool, which was kind of good as well. At least at the time, I thought it would be a good idea because they didn't have to worry about losing friends and, you know, building those bonds that they had, you know, maybe through middle school or elementary. And now we have to go and do that process all over again because now you're in a different state um so it was good at the time because they were much much younger so that was the visit here is to get me sold basically <laughs> and as i say it was a setup because i was like it was in august like you said it's in august it's beautiful i mean it's just like who could not fall in love with that if you're a, a person who likes to scenery or you visualize things or you can just see uh, the earth's beauty for what it is if that's you of course you're gonna fall in love with it right yeah your husband's so dummy like he was smart he knew he knew what he was doing he knew what he was yeah. doing but you know let's let's circle back a little bit when you talk yeah. about like buying your first house at like 20 like that's legit like that's no joke i mean there are some people who will rent their whole lives and i'm not saying one's worse or better than the yeah. other but but i think just having a mortgage and making a financial commitment to own a home and doing it so young like there has to be some sort of call it drive or ambition or tenacity or whatever to say like all right i'm gonna do what i need to do and the fact that that would be important to somebody that young. You know, I always say to people, like, they'll be like, oh, my kid did this and da 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 da. I'm like, okay, look, brains don't even finish forming till like 22, 23, whatever. Mm -hmm. So for you to be in that place is pretty powerful. And I think part of this, the way that we've kind of talked about you a little bit already about like getting things done and being determined and whatever. I mean, you've also had some hardships in your life. I mean, I know a, just a little bit about it, but um, do you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about the loss of your sister? Yeah, sure. So um, we were, I remember the day, you know, just like it was yesterday, we had headed to, um, we were all headed to church. And uh, so it was, um, I don't even think we were in church an hour and we here no I see my husband kind of like go out the back door to kind of like excuse himself and um he has the phone from another one of the administrators there and sh and they kind of they're talking and pass on the word like hey you know your aunt is calling because she needs you guys to come home and a home is 
you know, we're still in Georgia, so we're having to leave church. Um, and we're kind of like, before we left, we wanted to find out like why, you know, of course, because if someone's calling you to say, you know, two Come things, home, it's a if yeah, it's, it's two things. If you're leaving church, somebody's calling you at church to say leave church, you know that it's not something small. But then again, too, you want to know why, right? Like, why am I coming home? And then we find out that, um, you know, she had been killed in a car accident the night prior, the night before. And uh, so we leave, we go home, I go to my mom's and then, you know, I just go and and, and my aunt greets me. And she's like, you know, it's CJ. That was her nickname. She's like, it's CJ. Um, and I knew it. I just felt it in my heart. I, re- I knew what it was because I can tell you the night before uh, I was sitting on the couch and, you know, I, I was at my mom sitting on the couch and I was like, you know, make sure you guys are careful. first. So it was her and her best friend. And they had been childhood friends since kindergarten. Mm-hmm. So they were going out to celebrate her birthday, her best friend's birthday. And she was turning, I think at the time she was like 18, maybe 18 or 19. So were and, you the, I'm uh, sorry to interrupt. Were you the oldest yeah. sister? You were the oldest I'm the sister? Oldest. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And so this was your, your little sister you were yeah. talking to? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is my baby. So I'm telling her, of course, I put it on that mom role. Please be careful. Make sure you call, um, you know, wear your seatbelt. You're just going through the list, you know, of things. Yes. Of, um, because I know they're going out to have to celebrate her friend's uh, birthday. So they want to have a good time, but I want them to be mindful of safety as well. So, um, you know, we had that conversation. I was like, just be careful. Call us when you get back. So that was the night prior. And then the next morning, um, you know, we're at church and then we get this message. So we rush to the, my mom's house and we just hear the news. And, the, and, and again, like I said, as soon as I walked through the door, I, I knew what time it was. Um, and then from there, I just wanted the details. And uh, I just wanted to console my mom because she had lost her youngest. And that that moment, um, that was the first time we've ever experienced that so close, you know, for a relative to pass away. Sure. Um, and not only that, it was her and her best friend. So it was kind of like two families hurting at the same time. And to learn that, you know, she was immediately killed on impact. And um, the her friend survived maybe a, a couple weeks about a month after that but she was just on a ventilator the whole time you know so she was she was pretty much brain dead but you know they wanted to hold on to what they had as long as possible and so just to experience this is like you know it just it's it's an it's an eye-opening experience because now you have this person who you have grown to love who you're fussing with who you're fighting with who you're you know being that mom at least me I was being the mom always yeah. <laughs> you know and yeah. and I think it was like oh my gosh here she comes telling me something else again but it's just like for me it was just the encouragement and just wanting to have the best for her and make sure that she made the right decisions because she was a very intelligent young woman she was had a very good head on her shoulders, very smart. So for me, I wanted to continue to nurture that as a sister, just to kind of let her know that, hey, you know, you don't have to do these kind of things. And if you do, here are some possible consequences that may happen. But if you go on the right path and make sure that you do the right things and just kind of set goals for yourself, you'll see how far along in life you'll get and how advanced you'll be. And then, you know, hopefully you'll do the things that you really, really enjoy doing it, that'll make you happy. So it was just taking on that mom role. And then just all of a sudden, 
for it to be gone and just just to miss that that mm-hmm. nurturing part um was kind of uh yeah it was it was it was um i i think i dealt with it in a the way that i knew best because it's no handbook for how to deal with death you know it's like oh, <laughs> you yes. deal with it how you deal with it and um at that moment, you know, we just, we were able to just have that peace that remained behind that we were able to love and cherish and, um, mm-hmm. and, and continue to nurture in that way. Yeah. Well, I'm so sorry for the loss of your sister. And, um, and when you have that natural maternal instinct, like you said, like you played the role of the mother, it's a, it's a really deep loss. It is like when you say, well, my mother lost her baby, but in some way you were also like, you know, it sounds like you were a fantastic. <clears throat> and I'm sure, like you said, you guys used to fuss and fight and stuff like that, but still, it sounds like you were probably an amazing oldest sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I remember you saying, um, and you could always have the opportunity to say that you, you don't or can't talk about this part of the story. But um, when you said that she was killed. Was she killed by a drunk driver? Were they hit? Is that what happened? Was somebody else driving? Like I, I don't I don't know like if you're if you're able to talk about that. Yeah, I can. So um so she was they were on the expressway and, and they were headed back home. So they were headed back home and um a well at the time from what we learned is that the officer didn't test for drunk driving. Uh, so they didn't test the driver and for any, you know, alcohol or maybe under the influence or anything. So that part still remains unknown. But she, they were hit from behind. And when they were hit, their, their car um, did a 360 in the road. So now they're on the expressway and the car is facing in the opposite direction oh. of where it's supposed to be facing. And the um, car that hit them, hit them kind of head on. And uh, from what we hear, there were witnesses that pulled over and this one guy who, um, you know, we call him just the angel because he got out of his car and he was trying to pull them from the car before the car kind of burst in flames um, because the car did catch on fire. So he was there just trying to put it out and just trying to get both of the girls out, but they couldn't because of the seatbelt. So, um, you know, just to even to hear that part or to just think about, you know, what could have happened or like, you know, we go in our heads and we say, why did you have to leave or why couldn't you have partied at the home? It's kind of like hindsight. Right. And, and, and that's what I think I did for me for a long while, because yes. I felt that that night before she left, I could have said, hey, guys, you know, let's celebrate here you know, or, or let's stay here or maybe celebrate tomorrow, <laughs> go to lunch or do something like that. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen. But then I think about um, all things happen for a reason. And of course, I don't have those answers as of right now. And I would like to know those and not saying that I would ever get the answer. But I just think positive about the reasons why she was here for that short period of time yes. and the impact that she had not only on my life, but uh, I have a twin sister as well. So her life wow. and her family members. So um, I just think about that and just think about the great times that we were able to spend and share together while she was here on on this side. Yeah. Yeah, it is such a powerful story. And I just think about, I I totally like, you know, my mother, uh, I think I mentioned to you, my mother died when I was 12. She was murdered. And 
you know, when, when these kinds of tragic, you know, accidents um, or, you know, events and things that happen, there's always that moment when the mind is trying to um, make sense um, mm -hmm. of the senseless, right? It's like in all the different ways, like you said, there's no handbook on grief. There's no handbook on like somebody you love dying. And it's like, and, and although there are a ton of books on grief, but it's like, you know, it, when somebody you love goes and especially when it's unexpected and especially when it's such a, a young loss, like your sister was like 18, 19, my mom was 33, like young people. Mm -hmm. It's so impactful. And it, it leaves, I always say, so, uh, you know, in, in New England, we'd say, well, that's going to leave a mark, you know, and <laughs> it leaves a mark in its own way. And, but what you're talking about though, is and, you know, especially in the work that I do as a spiritual mentor, it's the meaning that we make of things, right? Do we want to look at this thing as something, like you said, that has happened to me in a tragic and awful way, but it's like, what am I going to do with this thing? Like, I didn't ask for it and I didn't want it, but now it's mine and I have it. So like, how are we going to do it? And like you said, focusing, focusing on the positives and focusing on um, the meaning and the purpose um, um, of her life. And so just thank you for sharing that because I do think that these things um, shape us and influence us and often inspire us. Um, and, and I know that there are, you know, of other stories that you have. And again, I, I'm not sure which ones, you know, what you feel comfortable talking about, but I know that, you know, you also have, you have three, three kids, right? And one of your sons had a, a cancer journey. Uh, do you feel comfortable sharing that as well? Yes, that was, oh gosh. So that was a, a moment in time for me that I experienced. Uh, again, never had anybody in the family close to us who had um, experienced cancer. And on the day where the day that I learned about his cancer, we were in court, we were uh, sitting in court, uh, listening to the arrangement of the, um, the lady who killed my sister. So we're sitting in court. And of course, no cell phones, no movement, no anything, you're sitting there. And if you can, if you whisper, you could get kicked out of the courtroom. So one of the sheriffs in the back, um, pass a note up. We're sitting there. One of the chairs in the back passed a note up and said, you know, could you guys come step outside? So this time we were um, able to be excused outside of the courtroom to go outside to take this call. Um, so the night prior, our kids, we um, had them at our cousin's house. So we said, you know, could they stay here the night? Because early in the morning we have to be in court. And uh, so they're there and, you know, they're playing around. They're little boys, no, no shirts on, you know, just God. being little kids. And uh, my husband's cousin, um, she was a, she's a 14 year trauma nurse. She noticed that how um, the right side of my middle son's stomach was kind of like hard. And she's like, hold on, you know, something doesn't feel right. And um, so she was like, Hey, um, she was calling actually my husband who stepped out of the courtroom with us as well, calling him to say, Hey, I think you guys need to come and take Noah to the ER right away. So he proceeded to go to take Noah to the ER. I remained there in the courtroom just to mm -hmm. hear, you know, the arrangement. And, um, and so once he got there and by the time we finished, I was able to take the call. We were in the car and he's like, you know, we're at the ER. 
now we're leaving the ER going to the children's hospital because they did a scan on Noah's stomach and he has a mass. As of right now, they can't tell what kind of mass, they just know it's a mass. By the time we got to the children's hospital, they were admitting my son, who was two at the time. Yeah. Um, they were admitting him and saying that they needed to get surgery done right away. So he was at a stage three and uh, he had a Wilms tumor. A Wilms tumor is a rare form of cancer that maybe one in 200,000 kids get. Um, and he happened to be that one of the 200,000. So they had to operate right away. We were admitted on the 13th of January and he was having surgery on the 15th. So they had to treat it as a stage four and you know of course all of this stuff is so far all of this stuff is yes. new. like i don't know what you're saying you're speaking greek or a foreign language to a yeah. mom who is pregnant i'm pregnant with my youngest <laughs> and and i'm and at the time i'm going through hyperemesis and hyperemesis is the worst form of morning sickness that anyone can ever have oh. and so i'm experiencing this sickness and then just to hear, you know, hear about uh, being in court, learning about this arrangement of my sister, and then now learning that my son has the possibility of cancer. They hadn't at the time hadn't diagnosed it as cancer mm. yet. Right. So I'm just like, at this, I think I'm just moving. At this moment, I just think I'm moving. I'm not even thinking, nothing's registering. I'm not like, it's not soaking in as to what's really going on in my reality, in my world right now. So, um, so they're, they operate on the 15th and now, you know, surgery went well and to see your son go behind those doors and they sedate him. And as a mom who can't go past like the visitor's room because I am pregnant, mm. that was really hard on top. Oh, Just to, you don't know, you know, you don't know if you're going to see your son for the last time, but I always believe and know that, you know, that God is good and he's going to bring my son mm -hmm. out for him to be even more uh, of a superstar than he was <laughs> than when he went in. So yes. he comes out of, you know, he comes out of surgery. He goes into the room on day two. He's connected to all of these tubes. Oh. I mean, you have like cords everywhere. And he's his little body. He's it's like little. little body. Oh my gosh. He's little. Do you know he stood up in the bed? He stood up in the bed and he says, I'm Superman. And of course he was in the motion of, he was about to jump out of the bed and we're like, no, <laughs> no. But, it, but we, we was just like, you just came out of surgery, like a major surgery to have your right kidney removed. And on day two, you're standing in the bed saying you're Superman. And so that moment, I always remember it. And we have a picture of it, of him standing in that bed. From there, I knew that everything would be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, when you, when I looked at that moment to know that, you know, we're going, we're going to go through this. We're going to go through these, um, every week of chemo, we're going to go through radiation as well. So he had chemo and radiation at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, of course I'm like, why does it have to be long? Cause six months, six months, eight months seems like uh, an affinity for a child to be sure. you know, going through radiation and chemo. But when I knew that, moment of him standing in that bed I knew it kind of gave me the comfort and the and the security I needed like it's going to be okay 
So we go through that long process of chemo radiation um, and he comes out well to where, you know, they move it to every other month and then they move it to every three months and then every six months and so on and so forth. So now we're at once a year to where we just have to get blood work and um, uh, urine tested. And on the 21st, which was a couple of days ago, he celebrated 10 years cancer free. So he's 12 so now. So that is just right now. I'm sorry. He's 12 yes. now. <laughs> He's uh, 13. Yes. So we're just so excited about that. <laughs> and he's excited about it. And now we can tell him about the story because, you know, he wondered why he has scars on his stomach and things like that. So just to talk about it now, it's just, you know, now we're able to share that with him. So he knows that you have to be grateful for things in life that mm -hmm. things happen to people to build them um, and their character and then to put out their strength and you learn how strong you are, you know, as a two year old, you're very strong and now you get to, to live that out. So it was just one of those experiences that again, added another layer of, you know, a, another cape to, to my back for me to know that but that, yeah I mean but that speaks totally to that first line where it says you know you're a creative strategist I think you know professionally you do that but I think you're a creative strategist in your life as well in your personal life you know and I think that when it says you live by your own rules and you make things happen and and it's like again and again the reason why I want first of all I want the the listeners to to know who we're talking to, right? Like to get a sense and a feel for the woman that you are, the being yeah. that you are and the spiritual being that you are mm -hmm. and how your faith has played a role. And it's not like, oh, uh, like things were just handed to you. Like the, you have come through some things, yeah. right? And of course you have your essence as one of God's kids. Like you came through with your own kind of what I call divine alignment or divine assignment, right? Your own mm -hmm. individual curriculum of how you're going to show up in the world. Mm -hmm. But then you have been tested, you have, you have overcome, like you have done these things. And I think it's part of what, you know, you don't become a, an award-winning business owner. You don't, you, you know, you don't become like a kid at 20 who like owns her own house. Like you don't become a person who, first of all, I know it's off, off center, but you got to tell me about how you came to design a postage stamp. Cause I'm fascinated and I love stamps. I don't collect stamps, but I love the artwork on stamps. You know what I mean? There's so many layers here. And of course, I also want them to understand all of this about your family and how important family is to you, because I think that also informs the no to patterns thing, like the heartbeat of why you started that, which we'll get to in a sec. But can you just indulge my curiosity? Like how does one become a postage stamp designer? Like what, what happened? You know, I, I say, you know, I, I kind of thank the move um, of me coming to New Hampshire because I feel like that was the separation part of me actually growing into the person and the woman and on who I am and who I will continue to become. Um, because had I not moved here, I think I would still remain in my comfort zone and these opportunities that presented themselves would not be present or they would be, but I would have to work like 10 times as harder to kind of uncover those. Because <laughs> yeah. You got to think like when you're in Atlanta or if you're in Georgia, it's, it's, it's one of those meccas. Now it's considered the Hollywood. So now you have to be that much more creative and work that much more harder to, to, say, hey, it's me over here, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so just coming to New Hampshire, I had 
um, you know, started to research about what organizations I can join, what kind of groups I can be in, what is there to do. Although I wasn't coming up with a lot of things because of course, you know, that that is not where they the support for black you know, African Americans and people of color, that's not here in New oh, Hampshire. No, so that, no, you know, <laughs> no. It was like another shock. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that too. I mean, I, I remember when like we talked about this a little bit. It's and it's so funny because right now that event that I did with my friends from Wheelock College is like coming up because uh, it's it was this time six years ago, whatever. And I remember being at that event and them saying, uh, because I always joke, like, you know, I went from Lawrence Mass, which was a uh, you know, a cultural mill town where it was like a, an immigration city, you know, I mean, we had all flavors, colors, whatever sounds, smells from the different foods, you know, and then, and then I moved from there to Boston, I go to BU, which is a huge international college university. And then I moved to LA where it's like every shape again, color form. And then I came to New Hampshire and I was shocked. Like, I just remember being like, wait, what? And, and so my friend said to me, because, you know, they, they were race, um, race and media teachers at we professors, uh, Dan Awusu and Susan Awusu, uh, Susan X. Jane, which is her current name. And, uh, and they said, yeah, New Hampshire is the second whitest state in America with uh, Maine being first. And I was like, holy shit, this explains so much. And I'm a white person. So I think as a person of color coming to New Hampshire, it's got to be, I don't want to derail the stamp story, but that's going to be a little bit shocking and we can dive into that. But yeah, yeah. Oh so God. these opportunities, like you're like, I had to kind of go like, you're looking for them, right? Stuff is, is happening. I'm looking for things to do. So through um, my Google research, I found an organization called the Seacoast uh, African American Cultural Center. And I was like, oh, African American, yes. <laughs> you know, like, yes, here we go. So, um, you know, I just did a little bit more research about this nonprofit organization, which is a wonderful organization based out of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And they have, um, uh, a, right now, they have the exhibit of the, the Obama, Obama exhibit, mm -hmm. where his photographer, Pete Oates, yes. pronounce his name, he's there. And they have those on display. So they were excited about that. But to rewind, I, when I first joined the organization, I was came as a volunteer, just started volunteering just to see how, if I would like, you know, to commit time to the organization. And then I became a board member. And uh, so just building those relationships and talking to, um, to those folk, you know, that were there and just trying to see what else is going on here in Portsmouth, what else is going on? And then uh, one of the ladies on the board, she's like, hey, we have this coming up where it was right at the time they were opening, um, um, doing the launch and the grand premiere opening of the African burying ground. Mm. And as uh, she said that we're partnering with them and we have this contest that's coming up and um, I think you should enter it. And I'm, and I was like, you know, what are the details? And, and, what <laughs> was it? and then she was like, it's a stamp. You can design a stamp and the person who wins, they get to, you know, have their stamp, um, recognized nationally and locally when she said nationally i was like yep i'm in so <laughs> i love your 
I love your spirit, man. You're like, oh, oh, yeah. local, whatever. National, yeah. I'm in. Nationally, yeah, sure. Nationally, United States Postal Service. Yep, um, I'm in. So what I did, I just kind of went to the African burying ground, just wanted to hear more about it because this was new to me. I think this happened like in 16, maybe 18, um, which hadn't been too long for me to be here to, to know about what was going on and the history of why they were making this just great uh, landmark in, the, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So mm -hmm. I learned about it. And from there, I was able to come up with a design where I felt that it was just so powerful and it spoke to a lot of what was going on where uh, the stamp, it had, um, so I kind of created the ground and had drums sitting on the ground. Mm. And I said, these drums are kind of like the connection to the ancestors that are, are below the ground. And this is how they're making music. And the sounds that are coming out are just like music to our ears and it's their spirit. And it's like, mm. we can hear them and this is how we can connect. And it was, it wasn't, it was like a simple stamp, but it was very powerful. And, and what I said and what, um, I wanted it to just be like speaking. I wanted it to be their voices yes. of, of yes. what I saw because of, you know, they're there under the African burying ground. It's, it's uh, you know, bodies. It was families. It's so rich in history right there. And sometimes I think the only way for all of us to communicate and come together is through the sound of music. Mm. And everyone can relate to music. So that, that was uh, the stamp design that won um it recognition nationally and locally and uh <laughs> it was it was just wonderful just to have that experience and and I just say you know I hadn't been here five years and now I'm winning uh recognition in this kind of um area what else can I do what yes. else what's the next challenge and I said here I am although I am a stranger to this state to this city to this community I'm making things happen without being known so I'm just like well if people know me just imagine <laughs> what I can do <laughs> what I can do right uh, so yes. that was just, just something very powerful too for me because again like I said had I been back in Georgia I don't think I would one have had that opportunity but to not be able to step outside of my comfort zone and to put myself out there um and to do something like this because i knew you know now it's like now or never like now you have to take these opportunities and what's the worst can happen you can fail right you fail but you get back up and, and learn from your failure and you just keep going and, and that's how i continue to um look at life and just move one day at a time it's so amazing. And uh, my, my sweetie, my husband, Chris, is, uh, is a professional musician. So we totally agree that music is, he's played all over the world in countries where nobody speaks English, but they get it, right? Because there's something that music, the spirit of music, it is a connector. It is a, it is a, I think a love maker and a peacemaker, right? I think there's so, so much to it. So I just love the imagery of those drums on the ground and and as a person who uses my voice and as a writer who has a voice and obviously I have a podcast so I got my I have a big mouth and I use it but I love so often like um you know being one of the things my mother taught me in the short time that we had her you know I was only with her for 12 years but she always taught us that 
we have to speak up for the voiceless. You got to use your voice for the voiceless. And whether it's for, for me and I, whether it's for, you know, animals, it's why, one of the reasons why I'm vegan. Um, however, you know, she was a spokesperson for, uh, for children, abused children. Like we have to be the voices sometimes for those, for whatever reason, um, they do not have the ability to have a say, or they need somebody, um, you know, somebody, whenever there's an imbalance of power, whenever there's an injustice, those of us who can should, right. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of shoulds. Like I try not to be like, don't should on yourself. Right. Yeah. But there's certain areas when it comes to justice, when it comes to what's right and righteous, it's like, you've got to do it. And I think it's the power and the beauty. Like that's a fantastic segue, um, you know, to kind of talk about no to patterns because um, what, which is your current thing. And I'm a proud member. I became a member because I believe in the work so much. Um, but um, if you can talk about how I know the story, but like, how did it come to be this new project? And, and of course, those of you who are listening, um, keep in mind, Daniel is a creative strategist. I know that you uh, do work in different businesses and stuff like that. And we can tell people how to reach you and find you. But this work right here is what really caught my attention. So tell us a little bit about Nota Patterns and, and how it came to be. Sure. So Nota Patterns, the name came to me maybe like a year ago. I think I was in the shower or something. And, and as creatives, I think, you know, you get your ideas where you get your ideas, right? <laughs> so it could be in the shower, while you're in the restroom, in the car. So this name popped in my head, Nota Patterns. I was like, I like that. <laughs> but I didn't know how I would connect no to patterns to whatever project or whatever other idea I would have coming up, you know, that later on down the road. So, you know, in the wake of, you know, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, I started thinking, um, I was like, you know, I've always had this idea, another idea in my head to where when I moved to New Hampshire, it was no resources. Again, it was like you tap, you touch on Google and if Google can't find it, you know, you're in trouble. Right. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just like, maybe I need to reword it. African-Americans in, in Portsmouth community, African-Americans in New Hampshire, black business owners in New Hampshire, <laughs> in New England. I mean, I think I did every keyword uh, phrase to try to pull up um, any type of groups, involvements, community here, and I was just coming up with nothing, right? So mm -hmm. I said, you know, just to have some type of resource for someone who may be, uh, you know, African-American or people, person of color who is considering to move to New Hampshire, if I can create this resource that they know that they have allies here, being the whitest state, second whitest state in America, and then if they have this, they may feel comfort, you know, they may feel community, they may feel, okay, maybe I can work with being in New Hampshire, despite what they've heard. Because once I came here, I, I you know, I went through a level of depression. Um, I was in hibernation mode. I didn't want to come out. I didn't want to be involved. I didn't want to do anything because I didn't feel like this was home for me. This wasn't a place that I could just go out and see someone who looks like me without being stared at like, do you belong here? And, well, and you know, sorry yeah i think it's important like to let's because the way that we connect hat to hat is by i think sometimes giving like specific examples and i remember one of the things that you said to me is that you know you would be out in public like with your children 
And so this a couple of things, so, and you can touch on the ones that you feel like, but a definitely the people looking at you, like, you know, like, and you're like, it's one thing if they look once, but when they turn around and turn around, turn around, turn around. And then also little comments that like white people, you know, would like make to you, right. Like about how, um, and and again, you, you have all the details, so you'll probably tell it better than me, but like looking at you and and just kind of offhandedly commenting how your children were so well behaved. And it's like, so what's that about, right? Like yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just to get those conversations and those comments. I'm, and I just said, you know, I'm just making a regular run, run to Walmart, just like you are. I just, I don't want to be, you know, speaking and saying, hello, how you doing? It's one thing, but to always get this. And, and, you know, the first time it was like, okay, the first time is okay. Right. The second and third time, every other time you take your kid out, it's kind of like, hold on, wait, what, what is it? Like, am I missing something? Am I, is this just, what's the ex? expectation what's the perception that someone may have about black families black children in the grocery stores or out in public I mean do you expect them to be doing cartwheels off of the car the shopping carts me running down the aisle with them I don't know what the perception is but yes my children will listen and they are well behaved yes I agree with you on that and you don't have to tell me that but what was your perception like why did you feel the need to have to tell exactly um so that was one thing as well, too, just just one of the many things that I thought back to as I created and just felt the need to kind of put this community together, um, know the patterns is just those experiences when I go outside of my home, like I don't want to be approached in that manner. So I said, if someone or even if they're researching um, to, to, hey, what is New Hampshire all about? And being the first community like this on the seacoast, um, I think it's a great tool to be able to have on the websites where people can feel more comfortable and feel welcome to come to New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's a community where we have um, these hard conversations about race. We can talk about diversity and inclusion. We can talk about, you know, perceptions and why you feel that way. And it just, and we're adults. We're just having the conversation <laughs> exactly. because I feel like it's the start. It's the start to why you may have learned things this way and and another reason why you may hate a race that it's a race you know it's not like you know we had control of that no I don't have control of of how I'm born or, or the race that I'm born but we can get a better understanding by talking and out and why do you feel that way so it's kind of like unlearning those biases and those things that we've been yes. talking about the years and really understanding if you choose to let me put yeah, if you choose yes. to understand, and if you choose to be open and open-minded about how you can bring more diversity uh, into the state, and then work with the diversity and inclusion that's here uh, in your state, um, because I said if if when I did the numbers, I was like it's two percent of less for Black African Americans here in the state of New Hampshire. If there's 2% here in this state, why not nurture that 2%? Then if you nurture that 2%, then that's the attracting factor for those people who may consider moving here because you've nurtured the people that are already here. Mm -hmm. But if you don't find those resources and help for those people who are already here, of course, you know, bad news travel fast. And that's (laughs) going to be out there. You know, 
it's like, no, don't move here because of X, Y, and Z. And you don't want your state to be known as that. So I felt like that was another key factor too, uh, when it came to business owners and just being able to connect to a community of networks and, and for us to kind of like be one, um, know the patterns. It's just like this, it's, it's a, very um, much needed community. And for me as a business owner, again, um, I was just like, where is everyone at? We're, we're, we're spread. <laughs> where is everybody? Like, where is this 2%? Like, where is, I mean, what is it supposed to be, you know, 0.2? Is it supposed to be less than two? I mean, is it supposed to be 0.1? Where is it? Like, where are these people of color that, you know, I'm doing my research research on where are they? So we all spread out. But I feel like although we can be spread out, but if we have this one uh, connecting factor mm -hmm. of a community, we can bring those together and just imagine the things that we can do for those people who support us in our community. And it, and and then too, it also feels good to be supported. That's another thing. Sure. When we come to a brand new state and being, of course, the 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 obvious um uh and if you don't feel supported you're not going to stay long if you don't feel supported you're not going to be here and it's always going to be a bad uh or a not so good experience and you want to just feel that support and for me honestly yeah. i just feel like yeah. over uh it's taken a while to get there it's taken a while for me to feel like I'm supported in my community. I don't know if it's because now I'm putting myself out there more and, and without any expectations, I just put myself out there and whatever happens, happens because mm -hmm. I feel like if I put myself out there with expectations and if it doesn't meet my expectations, I'm then disappointed. But if I go out there, don't have any expectations and just put myself out there 100% each and every time, then I'll begin to attract those people who want to be in my community, who want to provide me support, who want to be there. And those are the kind of people that I want, you know, I want it to be organic. So um, it, it's just, just to sum it up, I just felt like it was a need for NOTA patterns. I felt like it's a need to have these conversations, hard conversations about race and how mm -hmm. to raise anti-racist kids and how, you know, my kid can play with your kid and know that, yes, the, the color of our skins may be different, but guess what? We're human beings. We're on this planet to live just like you're wanting to live and, and in a peaceful way. Of course, we're not going to always agree on things. We're not going to always have the same opinion about things, which is the unique thing about what makes us different. Because you have an opinion, I have, I an, have opinion. an opinion. <laughs> right. We can agree to disagree, but that's, is that going to make me love you any less? Is that going to make me look at you um, as less of a human being because you have an opinion, which is your total right to have that and I think sometimes too we kind of take that as personal we take someone's opinion as personal opinions so now if I have an interaction with someone of a different race it may be oh now I can label everyone like this person or I label everyone like that person because of, of the disagreement no we have to remove that it's just a human being we're two adults having a conversation, you don't like the pink shoes, I don't like the green shoes. And guess what? We, you know, we can agree on that. We, yeah. we don't like it. You like what you like, that's going to make you happy. I like what I like that makes me happy. But we have an understanding. And I think that that's where um, a lot of the, I think the hardness, it's 
and I say hard, and it's meaning hard to initiate the conversation yeah. because you feel like you might offend somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but you want to know the answers, but you don't want to ask the questions. So I think in this community too, I'm helping to nurture that. Like, hey, let's talk. Let's talk. What's on your mind? Like, you're not gonna offend me if I have the answer out. I mean, you know, I'll give you the answer. If I don't, I'll just say I don't. But let's find a way to try to find the answer so you can have a better understanding. So, yeah. Yeah, there's so much that you said there. And I think one of the things you touched upon about if you choose to, right? I think there's a level of willful ignorance, right? I think there's a lot of stuff. I think there's fear. I think there's willful ignorance. I think there's like so many layers that go into relationships between, uh, especially in you know, I, I have people who are like, when I grew up, there were no, I mean, it was not my experience, but I know people who were like, especially kids who grew up in New Hampshire, they were like, I didn't have any black friends. I didn't know any black families. I didn't know what it is. And so now there can be like this fear of like being clumsy or like you said, saying the wrong thing and, or saying, well, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it's like that. I didn't know any better. It's like, well, the power of having something like what you're creating in the state and especially, you know, in, in, in New Hampshire is that there are resources now, there are things popping up now. And it was one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show so people would learn about it and know about it so that we can come together, especially, you know, as a spiritual mentor, so much of this work is the undoing. Like everybody thinks it's like, oh, it's about becoming good or becoming, and I'm like, no, 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 your, your natural inheritance, who you already are as one of God's kids is you are goodness and you are love. But we have all these ego conditioned things, things that were passed down from our parents and generationally, right? And just like things that were like, that we never stopped to question. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of this work is the undoing of those things that we believe separate us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, we can disagree, you know, and still love each other, but we've got to be willing to be fucking uncomfortable, right? We've got to be willing to say like, ah, I'm going to ask this question and it might sound how like, I don't like whatever, but so many people are afraid, I think, especially, right. So like racism never really went anywhere. Like, this is the thing that's so fascinating to me right now is like, you know, um, but it's being like big spotlight, right. Whether it's black lives matter or, um, you know, the killing of black men and women from, from, from police and like all the stuff that's be that's really coming to, to a head right now. I'm like, guys, always been here. It's like now, now we're like really paying attention. But I think that there's like, when, when all of this started happening and remember when like Instagram, like everybody was doing like the black squares and a lot of people were like being called out and it's like, it's not enough to do a black square. You've got to do this and you've got to do this. And are you doing this? And are you doing this? And I just know from people, cause people seek me for, you know, um, answers or support or counsel or whatever, they all would be like, well, KK, what do you think about this or whatever? And a lot of people I remember were coming to me saying, um, I, I, I want to talk about it, but there was a fear of being like attacked or uh, being called racist or whatever. And I'm like, and I, I was trying to explain to some folks and you know, and look, anything that I'm doing, I'm teaching myself too. It's not like I've got it all figured out. All right. But what I was saying is like, you know, part of this is we have to be willing um, to be wicked uncomfortable. In fact, I, I did a whole podcast episode on, on that with my friend, Susan X. Jane. And I said, you know, um, you know, race, it was a conversation on race and the willingness to be uncomfortable and to just say like, Hey, um, I want to have a greater understanding. And so like our desire for communion and community and connection 
and love has to be greater than our worry or fear, right? Like, like, oh, and I think you're providing, um, you're providing a membership or a community or a group where these, and look at there, these conversations are wicked important because the ego conditioned mind, like the society that we live in, oh, I know what I was going to say. So these people who are like seeking counsel and they're like, I'm afraid to be called a racist or whatever. I'm like, look, you've got to understand the systems that we exist in, they are racist. So we're all a little racist, whether we see ourselves that way or not, we've been culturally conditioned and we do have built-in biases. We do, we all do have built-in prejudices and whether it's about another group of color or LGBTQIA community or men against women or this about that, we're always going through this lens of duality. We're always seeing separation. And one of the powerful things about what you're creating is an opportunity for people. First of all, why I love it is it's kind of like people are now going to be shit out of excuses. It's like there is now a place. Mm-hmm. If you are willing to have these conversations um, where you are welcome. And it's always like when Gandhi used to say, right, you have to be the change you wish to see in the world. You wanted your, you and your family and families like yours to be having a different experience. So you went first and you pioneered. Because I remember you saying that part of no to patterns happened because other people were reaching out to you because you were here and they were saying, asking you, so what's mm-hmm. it like? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like you said, you said something uh, like 30 minutes ago that just really struck me is when you said, like what they say about your state, mm-hmm. what they've heard. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. think like, yeah, like shit, you know, what, do, what are they hearing about New Hampshire? And I, I actually am not like my friends. I don't, I'm like, I'm kind of not a New Hampshire loyalist. Like I live mm-hmm. here, but I've never really claimed it as like, this is like my home because mm-hmm. there's so much of it that's still kind of foreign to me as a city kid or a kid that like moved here and I'm like, what's happening? Um, there's certain levels of, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm not grateful and I don't appreciate where I live, but there's still some, there's some stuff that's missing and you're touching on part of that, right? So I think the other thing that's an interesting is it's not just about, cause I want to make sure that like, <laughs> I'm just very direct that the white people listening understand this. It's not no to patterns is not just for African-American black people, right? It's, it's for us to all come together because you have different themes each month. And I think this past month, the theme was education and teaches teachers, right? Do you want to talk a little bit about how it's kind of set up and what people can expect from it? Although I believe what you said, I want to touch on that too. I think that expectations piece is really big. And I always say expectations are premeditated resentments. Mm-hmm. But when you're joining a group, we do kind of want to know, like, this is like what happens each month and this is what it's offering. So yeah, sure. So each month we're going to have, um, it's going to be a variety. So I change it up just so, because everyone learns differently. So I know some people can, um, digest the interview better than someone can digest maybe just 
having to go and read something, you know, so I wanted to provide different ways of getting these resources out to people who are interested and willing to learn. So this month, um, September kicked it off with uh, classes in session, and it was dedicated to back to school. And um, I had interviews from a teacher. Um, I had a feature from a teacher. And um, I have uh, at the end of the month, I have a couple things coming up, which is a list of black authors for those teachers who are looking to have literature included in their classroom to be more inclusive. And we have a feature from a nine-year-old entrepreneur right here in our community. So each month is theme-based and I want to make sure that I'm touching on things that are going on right now and feel that's beneficial for uh, what what we're living, our reality. The next few months are lined up with interviews from um, parents who are raising interracial kids in uh, the Seacoast and how that has affected them and just learning more about their household dynamic because if you have a white mom and a black dad or a black dad and a white mom, it's totally different than just having a full black family and just putting those stories out there to kind of help understand like the challenges on which we experience mm -hmm. each and every day just to try to, you know, get your kid out of the house and want them to go to school and to just be able to operate as a functioning adult in a world that may not accept them or may look at them differently. So we have these conversations, we have these questionnaires, um, I have expert leaders that come in and we just talk. And uh, each week, a new piece of material is released, and it's not in your face. It's not like, you know, 5,000 emails in your inbox. It's little small actionable steps that I feel that's not much that you can digest, and it gives you those thinking moments, like you can digest it and you're able to think about what you just read, or you can digest it, and if you have that question, ask it you know so i just didn't for me i know um i don't learn well when a lot of things are thrown on my plate and i'm a visual learner so it's just a, a both of a mix of both worlds the visual the audio and and the reading and um just wanting to make sure i include everyone in that and again it's not just for african-american people of color it's for white people as well white folk as well, who want to listen, who want to learn, who want to know, uh, who want to show that support. And again, for those people who are looking to move here, they now know that there's a group of allies right here in this community who are doing the work where you can feel like, I mean, just, I, I just think about like, if I had this, if I did my Google search on the handy dandy Google, and it came up with a group of resources that I knew already had allies or somebody had already did the work to build this community, I may have felt that much better and a little bit more comfortable knowing that in this all white state, there is people who support me and people and family whose families who look like me. So I think that that is just key. Um, and, and the things that's going on uh, in the community is just to be able to provide this great resource that you can digest at your leisure. Um, the content is there. Um, and it's just awesome to be able to bring the community together through this online resource. Yeah. yeah, I think it's incredible. And I even love the name, Know to Patterns. To me, it's about, it's like, 
it's breaking up. It's like, it's like all, all the systems, like, I'm like, hello, uh, America, pay attention. Cause it's all going like, it's not, it clearly is not working. It's not working. Yeah. So like the, the, the new, the, the new way. And I think it's, it is going to be like, I think so many of the great movements were done by spiritualists, right? They were done by people of, and however you just use the word faith, I think it was people who do stop and pay attention and who do think deeply and who do recognize there's a problem before most of the rest of the world catches on. And it's like, hey, you know, we got to change some things. And it is about, it is about justice and it is about fairness and it is about doing the right thing. And I think it is, you know, it's such an important it's such an important opportunity if people want to play a role and be a part of it. And I think what you're saying is like, you know, it is, it is a built in, um, it's like built into the DNA, right? The cellular body of people is we do want to feel welcomed and we do want to feel seen and like we matter and that like we're included. And one of the things that you said when you said, um, you know, if you have a question, just ask. So one of the things I was curious about as a member uh, that I don't know the answer to, where does somebody ask those kind of questions? Are there forums or are there like, um, like Zoom calls or a Q&A? Like where, where, where within Nota Patterns are the, can those questions be asked and those conversations happen? Yeah, sure. So we do have a private Facebook group where most of the interaction is. And I thought that just connecting people through the Facebook group, you can kind of see those members that are in the community, the online community, and those, you know, you may want to introduce introduce yourself with. They could be your neighbors. And um, they're not just Seacoast based. I mean, we have um, some that are as far as, uh, I think, Pelham, New Hampshire. So, I mean, it's all over New Hampshire for the state of New Hampshire and I thought the best way to bring the faces to the names and to connect in a much better way would be the Facebook group so you can and I also too when I send out emails you know if if you have a question about this email hit reply and let me know so and I jump into the Facebook group um just to kind of check in to see how people are doing. And again, I didn't want, I don't want it to be overbearing. I don't want it to be overwhelming because once you get that feeling of overwhelm, you push back. You're like, uh, no, okay. I don't need anything else on my plate. I just want to be able to, to drip it to you. To, to know that each week you can log in and view this this content. And I don't care how far in advance or how old the content may be, if there's a question about it, if there's something that you wanna talk about, shoot me an email, I'm open to it. And if you feel like this is something that, you know, or if I feel like this is important, for us to discuss in the Facebook group, we do that as well. So it is a way for you to connect um, outside of the online membership. Yeah, I love it. I'm so I'm so happy that, like I said, it all started with somebody making a comment in some other Facebook group, and your mm -hmm. name came up. And I'm I'm in like wicked curious. So I'm like, who's this? Like as you said, the power of Google. I'm like, yeah. who is this yeah. person? And I was like, hey, not wait, what? And then so like it became this thing, and it was just like a, a little. I always say like uh, the divine is always leaving us uh, spiritual breadcrumbs. And so I'm always like, like following and picking it up. When my spiritual team drops somebody into my life repeatedly, I always know there's a reason why, right? And so I'm so, I'm just so thrilled that you, your family is here, that you are here. 
that you've, you've um, answered the call and you're taking the initiative. I think it's a, a powerful resource for our state. And I know that you have the backing of a couple of fantastic sponsors already, right? I think you said Seacoast Rep and who else, who else is your, is, um, is a part of it? Yeah, sure. The Seacoast Rep and WSC, WSCA, Portsmouth Community Radio, where I also have a show on Thursday nights that I play R&B and Neo yeah. Soul from 8 to 10 p.m. And uh, since COVID, I haven't been back in the studio. So what I've been doing is just uh, curating playlists and I'll post those on Facebook. But I'm setting up a date. I think I want to go back soon um, once I kind of get the remote learning under, I don't know if that's ever going to be on a uh, schedule. <laughs> yes. You, but, you um, and uh, like thousands of other parents right now trying to get a grip and figure out like, wait, how do, what, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, but that's another thing, another challenge, and you know, I'm here to accept it, but um, I think another piece to me is that music part. Um, um, I grew up, my great-grandmother, she had a cafe, and uh, every Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, that's where we were babysat in the middle of the cafe, like in the floor of the cafe. And we would hear music from like Al Green and Kenny mm -hmm. Pendergrass and, and Patti LaBelle. And I mean, we're three, four, you know, we're young. And so that is where the, my love for music has come from. And it's yeah. also connected to the memories of my grandmother's cafe on a Friday and Saturday night um, and just being there. And I know, again, she was probably breaking every child labor law for having <laughs> a cafe. But I mean, that's, I think that's a part of the story and that's, yes. a, that's a great part of it. Yeah. And then you, you, and then you ask like, how do you create the love for this? Like, why do you love to draw? Why do you love to paint? So for me, me, that was my connection it's just being in that cafe and just the love for music and old school stories that they the artists share and and, and I just love it love it just love it love it. 100% and I always like I was telling you when the first time we ever talked I said yeah my parents had great taste in music so same thing I grew up listening to the, the same kind of music and so I have like, I hear a certain song and it takes me right back to a time of my parents like you know, dancing in the living room and us like, you know, sitting on the couch and learning how to hustle and how to, you know, like do all these different things. And it just like, it takes me right back to those moments. And it's no surprise that, you know, my mother also, you know, shared with me a love of books. And I, I've said, you know, we didn't always have you know, enough, enough food in the house, but we always had books and like loving books and reading. And of course I married a musician because it's like, you know, just that love of uh, creativity and stuff like that. So it all points back, right? It all points back. And, and I think, again, it speaks to why the work that you're doing um, and the membership you're creating is so important because if you come from a state where, hey, uh, Whitey McWhitey, right? Like it, you only know what you know mm -hmm. and you got to be willing to say like there's a lot I don't know and mm -hmm. and there's a possibility that I could be wrong and mm -hmm. it's not about making people wrong but it's about understanding that there's a whole other spectrum out yeah. there there's a whole other world of possibility out there and to me why my show first of all I am a storyteller but why I asked you to share those personal stories is because that's how we connect to our basic 
humanness of the thing that made we all we all like there's no way you're listening to the story of your sister and you don't feel that like even now i'm getting emotional thinking about it again like you talking to her the night before and it's like our humanity and our divinity we think it's so separate but it's not you know and so i just think this is an opportunity for us to know each other better to come to understand each other better um to come to love each other because that's the only way we get through this is Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. absolutely and i say you know what i think about not think about it often but some days it does sneak in my head and i was like you know we're all gonna leave this earth one day so while we're here why should you fight with someone why should you be angry with someone why should you hate somebody you don't even know they may not even know that you feel a certain way about them and not you know many people don't care but i'm just saying like overall like you're holding on to something that someone else is not affected by or vice versa or they may be affected by but then it's just taking that next step to get an understanding as to why you feel this way you know, why do you feel this way? Where does it come from? It yes. takes more emotion. It takes more energy for you to hate someone than to just say, you know, I love you or I'm sorry or yes. let's work together or let's work this out. So I'm always trying to, I've always, I've never said that I'm a cheerleader, but everyone who's around me said that I am a cheerleader. Yes. Um, but you just want to always think about the positive and do the positive things because the negative puts you in a, in a, in a bad place. So while you're here, make the best of the days and moments you have. And I think that's another thing that I learned from the death of my sister, you know, not knowing that she would be taken away so soon at such a young age, but what impact are you going to make? Because you never know when your time is up so why be on the earth fussing and fighting with other people so um and and that's one thing that i just hold on to just like be positive like you can always learn something positive from a negative situation always it's always a lesson to be learned amen and it's like that's literally the heartbeat of what i teach the process i use which is called your story to your glory Because no matter what is happening, it's like we become who we are because of what happens. And if we want to stay in it, I call it like sitting in the shitty diaper. It's like, why would you want to stay in the shitty diaper? Like, let's, you know, and it's, and I get it, grief and healing, like it takes time. It's not like always instantaneous, but you have to be, you have to be willing. I always say all Holy Spirit, all spirit needs is a tiny bit of willingness. And so you creating, like you sharing with yourself today. I'm just so excited. And I hope if you're listening to this, if I would say, if you can hear the sound of my voice, if you are listening to this right now and you know of a family or you know of a person or people who could really benefit from this and whether it's a family of color or your white friends or whoever um, that could benefit from knowing about Nota Patterns, knowing about Courtney and her work, you guys, please, please, please share this episode. And Courtney, can you tell folks um, all like the different ways to find you on social media or the Nota Patterns? And can you break that down for us? Yeah, sure. So my website is CourtneyDaniel.com. And on Facebook, I can be found at No to Patterns, as well as Courtney Daniel. And on Instagram, I'm at the CD brand. Can you spell that? The CD, is that CD yes. brand? T-H- with a- yes, T-H-E-C-D-B-R-A-N-D. 
All right, mm -hmm. CD brand. And so the um, Courtney Daniel, just so you guys know, it's Courtney with, a, with an EY. Right. Yeah. Cause I'm a Kenny, I'm Karen Kenny and everybody always spells, they forget the second E and they always like spell it wrong. So I'm always yeah. like just trying to help people out. And is there any final things, any, any final um, thing that we didn't touch upon or something that you want them to know about that uh, we didn't cover? I always just like to make sure that, um, you know, I did my job and got allowed you to, you know, welcomed you to say whatever you felt like you wanted to say. Is there any final thoughts or Yes, I would love uh, if you feel that, again, that this was a great episode, please do share. And also, if you're wanting to uh, join an online community where you feel like you can have these conversations, uh, become comfortable with being uncomfortable, and just to talk um, about you know, race issues or, you know, just growing up in New Hampshire or just being an ally or just ways that you can support, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email at uh, no spam, please. Uh, <laughs> info at CourtneyDaniel.com. Again, info at CourtneyDaniel.com. Um, I look forward to just hearing from the community and working with the community um, and just, you know, building something strong here in New Hampshire that I know would not only support New Hampshire, but also probably other states and surrounding states as well. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about New Hampshire. It only takes like, you know, it doesn't take that long to cross into Maine, into Massachusetts, yes. into other places. We're all very much connected. And it's just Courtney, thank you so much. And you guys, I'm, I'm a member. I'm one of the founding members of Nota Pattern. So come join us. And uh, I think it's wicked important. You guys know me. I'm a straight shooter. I don't like to waste anybody's time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk about it if I didn't believe in it. So thank you so much for being on the show. It's been such a pleasure. It's been, it's been so fun. And I can't wait. Here's what I feel like. I feel like it's like this little seed that's been planted and we have no idea, you have no idea how and where this is gonna go and grow. So I think it's gonna be fantastic to kind of see how this exponentially expands through the Granite State. So just thank you for being, as I always say, brave enough and ballsy enough to like go first and say yes and to follow the call of your hat and to have that kind of fearless faith that like, you know, you were given the assignment, you didn't have to say yes, but you did. So I love that you did. So thank you so much. And um, you guys, thanks for tuning in. As I always say, wherever you go, please may you leave the people, the place, the animals, the environment better than how you found it. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. Thank you. you guys thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the karen kenny show <laughs> i super duper appreciate your time friendship and support and look if something that i shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours i'd love to hear about it so please tag me on facebook or instagram or ig stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days and let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. -E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you wanna hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com 
backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing. <laughs>